Good morning, Spring Branch. Christmas Eve is around the corner. Can you believe it? I'm sure you got all your shopping done from your couch. Amazon Prime is your best friend, right? Now, I'm really excited about Christmas Eve this year at Spring Branch. I've got the honor and privilege of preaching the messages. We've got incredible experiences planned. We've got kids involved in a kid's choir. It's something new we haven't done before. Uh, we've got uh, some great music. It's going to be an awesome time together worshiping our Savior and celebrating the fact that God is with us. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us, and that is a reason to throw a party. So make sure you invite a coworker. Make sure you invite that neighbor. Make sure you invite that aunt, that uncle, that friend. We want to fill these seats. We want to fill these seats. We want to fill those parking spots. We want as many people to experience, to come and see the Savior, the Savior that was born for them, and the Savior of our souls, and that is Jesus, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, right? King of kings, Lord of lords. Bring that friend, bring that coworker. Everybody's, everybody's waiting to be invited. I really believe that deep down inside, everybody wants to be invited to something. So take one of these cards on your way out. Take a bunch of them on your way out. Hand them to somebody this week. I was talking to a waiter the other day at a restaurant. I had a chance to invite them to come. So uh, go out and invite people to come. We want to have a great time together this Christmas Eve. Uh, like Sue and James said, uh, make sure you also grab a card out in the lobby. Uh, we'd love to just honor Michael and Gail and express words of gratitude to them for 26 years, 26 years of faithfulness. Just amazing. And I'm thankful uh, to have the opportunity to, to continue what an uh, incredible legacy that they have begun. So uh, here we are this morning, and I uh, ha- had a message planned, uh, and then it just got wrecked. It got wrecked because life happens. And so um, this morning's message was originally entitled Two Unlikely Characters, uh, but uh, I've, I've changed the title to Expect the Unexpected. Everybody say, Expect the Unexpected. Life happens, doesn't it? The older I get, the more I realize that <laughs> there's just going to be curveballs. There's going to be change. There's going to be circumstances that, that change at the drop of a hat that you don't anticipate, that you don't expect, and life happens. We've got to expect the unexpected. And this past week, I was reminded of that truth. I was reminded that no matter what our plans are, and we should make plans, you should make preparations, at the end of the day, we are not in control of a lot of things in our lives. And this past week, I uh, had uh, the privilege of attending a couple funerals, and um, it's always bittersweet when you attend funerals, right? Because you're celebrating a life well-lived, and you're, you're honoring a person who, uh, who has influenced our lives in many ways, but, but you're also saying goodbye. You're also mourning the loss of, of a loved one. And uh, as Troy mentioned earlier, um, he and his family are grieving the loss of, of Trey. Uh, had a chance to attend another funeral on Friday. and um, It's just the reality of life, right? Change, change. How do we respond to change? That's, that, that's the question we'll be asking this morning. Because we don't know the where's and the when's and the how's and the why's, right? But we do know what? We do know the who. We know the who. We know who God is. And this morning, we're going to be talking about um, young Virgin Mary, this unexpected person 
found in this unexpected place, and God comes to her. And he introduces this pretty significant change in her life. How does she respond? She uses five words, five words that change the course of history and that are still changing our lives today. Five words. And we'll get to those in a couple minutes. Let me just read the passage for us this morning. I'm gonna read all the way through it. We're found, um, we're found in Luke chapter one, verses 26 and following. Luke 1, 26 through 28, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth is this nowhere town. It's kind of that town you drive through, right? You don't actually stop and hang out there. Um, it's a town that you go through in order to get to somebody, uh, somebody that's more important, somewhere else that's more important. A town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. How's that for a greeting? Tomorrow morning when you wake up um, and you, you know, tell, tell your spouse or you get to work to tell your coworker, Hey, greetings. Greetings, O favored one. See how that goes over. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, You are favored. You are favored. You are favored. 700 years went by. 700 years. Isaiah 7:14. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that someday there would be a virgin that would conceive and give birth to a son. 700 years went by from the time that Isaiah gave a prophecy to this moment when the angel Gabriel shows up and delivers this incredible, life-changing news to Mary. And by the way, there are 200, 300-some prophecies. How many prophecies did Jesus fulfill? Every single one of them. Every single one of them Jesus fulfilled. We serve a promise Keeper, don't we? When God says yes, he means yes. When he says he will do it, he will do it. And so 700 years have gone by, and now we're here in this moment, and the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and finally delivers this exciting news that all these Jewish people were anticipating. They were expecting at some point the prophecy was going to be fulfilled and take place, but little did Mary know that it was in her lifetime and that she was going to play a pretty important role in this prophecy. And by the way, uh, there, were, there was about 400 years between Malachi the prophet, God speaking through Malachi, I call him Malachi, he's the Italian prophet, it's kind of a joke, um, Malachi, but there were 400 years between Malachi and when God spoke to his people again. So God's speaking through his people throughout the Old Testament through burning bushes and through different miracles and prophets. And, and then there's 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. And I'm sure God's people were thinking, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? 
400 years go, go by. <laughs> God was storing up something pretty exciting, wasn't he? He had something pretty special up his sleeve. And so here he is speaking through his angel Gabriel to this unexpected person in this unexpected place, sharing some news that was going to change the course of mankind forever. So, of course, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, verse 29. He was, she was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. How many of you have been confronted by some change in your life? Unexpected change, sudden change, surprising change. You've got your plan, you're going your way, you've got your schedule, you've got your New Year's resolutions, and then boom! All of a sudden, your plans get wrecked. All of a sudden, there's an interruption. And you've got a choice to make. You've got a choice to respond. You've got a choice to have the right perspective in the midst of that moment. Maybe there's some fear. You know what happens when we feel like we're out of control? There's some fear and there's some anger that boils up, that boils over in our lives. And Mary, right here in this moment, she's afraid, she's fearful. She's troubled, she's confused, she's bewildered by this greeting, these words that the angel is using. Favor? Me? I'm this young teenage girl from nowhere. And you, you're coming to me, and you're calling me favored? I kind of appreciate her response because it's not a response of pride. She's afraid, I think, because it's just so unexpected and surprising and out of the blue. I think she, she, is, she is responding in humility because, you know, her, her response isn't, yeah, I'm, I'm Mary. I'm, of course I'm favored, Right? I've done all these awesome things in my life. I'm favored, you know? She responds with a, a broken and contrite, humble heart. She's like, me? Of all people, you're coming to me, Mary? And she hasn't even heard the, the announcement yet. Verse 30, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You noticing a theme here? How will this be? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, she's not doubting the angel here. She's not doubting God, unlike Zechariah earlier in the passage. Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was elderly, unable to have kids, or so she thought. And the angel came to Zechariah. Zechariah's like, no way. We are these old people. There's no way. But he was the one who was praying all his life that they would have a child. But in that moment, he had doubt. But here's Mary, she's just simply asking for an explanation. 
She's got a heart of humility and she's trusting. She has faith that God will do what he says he's gonna do. She's just like, well, I'm a virgin. How, how is this possible? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You see, we, we respond sometimes how, but God responds who? In the midst of our how, God says who he is. He reminds us that he can do anything, that he can do the impossible. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, will have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that today? Whatever you're facing today, whatever change you're experiencing today, maybe it's a tragedy or a crisis, maybe it's a financial situation, maybe it's a relationship. Do you believe that God can do the impossible? When you say impossible, God says possible. When you say can't, God says I can. He will always give us more than we can handle. Some of us say, and I'm guilty of saying this, God will never give me more than I can handle. False. God always gives us more than we can handle. Why? Because he wants to remind us that we need him, we need his strength. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I love that, I love that God is a promise keeper. He is a promise maker. He doesn't say uh, maybe, possibly, potentially, hypothetically, if all things go well, on a conditional basis, you'll conceive and bear a son and, you know, wishy-washy, gray area. There's no gray area here. God, God is definite. He's absolute. What he says will happen will happen. You will conceive. He will be called. The Lord will give him. He will reign. My kingdom will never end. You will have a child. What God says he will do, he will do. Now listen to this. It's not what God says to us that defines us, that sets the course of our lives. It's what we do with what God says to us, right, that changes the course of our lives. It's not what happens to us that defines us. It's what we do with what happens to us, right? It's not what God says to us. While that's important, it's what we do with what God says to us. Are we a, a cul-de-sac of grace? Tony Evans talks about being a cul-de-sac of grace, or are we a conduit of grace? Which one do you want to be? You want to be a vessel of his grace to other people? Or when God blesses us, do we hold on to it so tightly? We become just a cul-de-sac. It's a dead-end street because we're not blessing others with how God has blessed us. Mary was called by God to birth his word to her generation. Mary was called by God to birth his message to her generation, and God is calling us. We're called by God to birth his message to this generation. Are we a conduit of grace? 
Mary's response here in verse 38 changes everything. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Five words. Five words that change everything. Do you realize what she's accepting here? She is inviting upon herself shame and ridicule. She's going to be ostracized. People are going to be murmuring about her and gossiping about her and talking bad about her and condemning her. Why? Because she was a a virgin, she was a virgin, a young, a young woman, not, not, not married, and she was going to be giving birth out of wedlock. This was shameful in that society, in that culture. But yet, she is trusting God. She is trusting who God is and what he has planned for her. She is opening up her hands and saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Yes, I've got my plans. Yes, I had an agenda. I had an idea of how this was going to go. But God, your interruption, it just may be an opportunity. What if we saw those interruptions along the way, not as problems, but as opportunities to be a conduit of grace, to to be a blessing to others, to, to grow and allow our character to be shaped so we can be more like Christ. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May that be our mentality. So how does she get to this point? Let let, let me just just share a quick mathematical equation. It's not really math because I'm not a math guy, but uh, it looks, looks like it's a math equation. But E plus R equals O, okay? E plus R equals O. This is not mine. I'm not, I'm not sure where this came from, but I saw it one time. I thought it was really cool. E plus R equals O. What does this mean? Event plus response equals outcome, okay? Event plus response equals outcome. Something happens to us, a circumstance or some kind of situation happens, maybe it's, it's unexpected, it's surprising, it's not something that we contributed to, but we have something under our control in that moment, and that is our perspective, our attitude, our heart's posture. And we have the ability to change the outcome. We have the ability to be better instead of bitter, to be grateful instead of resentful, to choose love instead of hate. We have the ability to respond in humility instead of pride. We have the ability to to respond by trusting who God is in the middle of that change, no matter how hard it is. We have been given the ability by God to choose in that moment how to respond. An event happens. It's happened. And we shouldn't dwell on the past. We should learn from it. The past doesn't define us. It maybe refines us, right? Shapes us. As long as we learn from it and move forward, event plus response equals outcome. How easy it is for us to blame our circumstances and blame certain conditions, maybe lack of money, or maybe it was was another person or 
uh, maybe it was our experience or our family background or maybe something that uh, we did or, you know, our, you know whatever we came from. We, we easily point the finger and blame certain things and certain people. But we have to look in the mirror at ourselves and take control of our lives and choose our response. God has given us that, uh, his, that ability out of his loving heart. He doesn't, he doesn't control us. Yes, he has a plan, and he's orchestrating all these circumstances according to his will, but because he is loving, we're not robots. He's given us free will every day to choose to follow him or not, to choose a heart that is humble. And so our response actually ends up changing a lot of the outcomes of our lives. So Mary's response in this moment is just amazing, considering the circumstances. I am the Lord's servant. This precious, sweet little teenage girl set aside her pride and her selfish agenda, and she's just submissive and surrendering to the Lord and his purposes. And what does she do? She takes off and she runs full head of steam, three or four day journey to see who? To see Elizabeth. And she barges into Elizabeth's house and they embrace each other. And Elizabeth calls her blessed. And, and they, they spend time over the next few months just supporting each other and caring for each other and celebrating with each other because they're both gonna be carrying an important message, an important person. John the Baptist is in the womb of Elizabeth and he'll prepare the way for Jesus to come. And so they're sharing this experience together, both blessed and highly favored by God. And Mary responds with this song. She says in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. Expect the unexpected. It's not what happens to us that defines us. It's what we do with what happens to us. 2,000 years ago, there was an event and there was a response that changed the course of history forever. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. See, Mary didn't make the choice in that moment. We make little choices every single day so that when a big change comes, we can make the right decision and respond the way God wants us to respond. Mary trusted the goodness of God. She trusted the goodness of God. All her life, she had been bathed in his word and his truth. She probably knew the scriptures of the Old Testament. She probably knew them pretty well. And so she had a relationship with God. And so when this curveball came, she was ready and she responded with humility and a heart of surrender, but she trusted the goodness of God. When change happens in our lives, when crisis happens, when the sky is falling, whatever that is in your life, and you've been there, you are there, or you will be there, that's the nature of life. 
When that happens, you've got to trust that God is good. Your first thought about God in those moments is crucial. It's crucial, guys. When Lindsay and I had all those miscarriages, we had a choice to be bitter or better. We had a choice to be resentful or to be grateful. We had a choice about how we viewed God. Was God good? Even though our circumstances didn't feel good, was God still good? And so we battle through that. We wrestle through that. When my grandma was suffering with ALS, this high adventure, go get them, Jane of all trades woman who I just highly respected, when all of a sudden her life just took a left turn and she, her body deteriorated and she could barely communicate. This long suffering road of ALS and it was heartbreaking. What did I believe about God in the middle of that? That was crucial. Was God still good? God is still good. God is good because of his character. Are we trusting God for what he does or doesn't do? Or are we trusting God for who he is? May our faith not be propped up against changing circumstances, but may our faith be grounded in who God is, period. And he is good. Despite life not feeling good, despite our plans getting thwarted, God is good. Mary trusted the goodness of God. And God's goodness was revealed through the angel. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. This word favored is the Greek word keratu. Keratu, probably pronouncing that wrong. Keratu, it's this word meaning full of grace. Mary, you're full of grace. You've been given grace. You are accepted. You are the recipient of grace. Each of us are the recipients of God's amazing grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it because of our sins, because of our, our wrongful ways. But God's grace is reckless and unconditional and never ending and never failing and never stopping. It's always and forever. No matter how many times we fall and mess up and stumble and doubt, God picks us up and dusts us off and he calls us his child, his son and his daughter and nothing can change that. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. That's the goodness of God showing up in our lives. When you screw up, when you mess up, when I screw up, when I mess up, and I will, I sense the burden and the weight of this responsibility to step into this leadership role at Spring Branch. I got some big shoes to fill. What an incredible legacy that Michael has built here when I really allow myself to think about it, it's like, whoa, wow, what a responsibility that I have been given. Over these next few months, I sense that weight and that burden. I feel that weight, but I need the wind too, right? You got to have the weight, but you also got to have the wind. You got to have the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking God, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because apart from you, I can do nothing. But I am humble that God would choose me. It's like, Heath, you, you, greetings, you, you, are, you are the favored one. Just like God says to you, 
You are favored. God chooses you. He hand selects you to work where you work, to live where you live, to parent your children, to love your spouse. It's no accident. God has chosen you. He's hand selected you to be where you are. And he wants you to be a conduit of grace to extend his goodness to others. Mary trusted the goodness of God. She also trusted the faithfulness of God. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Other translations say his word will never fail. His word is unfailing. And this new season of Spring Branch, this new chapter, we will continue what Michael has started, and that is we will teach and preach God's word. We will allow God's word to convict our hearts. You may feel a little uncomfortable in the seats, but that's okay. <laughs> because that means that, that God is chiseling away and he's shaping us a little bit and causing us to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I got some things to work on. Not because I have to for God to love me, but because, man, God has done so much for me. I want to obey him and be a disciple of him and follow him more closely. Mary trusted the faithfulness of God that what God said would be done would be done. Faithfulness of God, it's unending. In the Old Testament, it really is summarized by one word, and that's remember, remember, remember. The prophets, yes, they were given a word about the future, but I think they, were, they had a really good memory too. They already knew what God had done, and so they knew what God would continue to do. And so whenever you're facing a change that's sudden and unexpected, remember what God has done. In order to know what he's going to do, remember what he's already done. And he's set back as a chance to look back and see what he's already done and step into the future knowing that God will provide for us just as he always has. We have seen countless miracles. I've only been here for a year and a half, but people have been here. I love hearing the stories. All the miracles over 26 years, God has given this church favor despite odds, despite crazy circumstances. I mean, look at this building. Look at this property. Look at all the resources that God has given us. He has looked upon Spring Branch Community Church, and he has said, you are highly favored. Trust me with your future. Trust me, you may not know the where's and the when's and the how's and the why's. We could try to answer those questions until we're blue in the face. But what God is whispering in our ears right here in this moment is who, who he is. He is good and he is faithful. And he says, nothing will be impossible with me. If I am for you, then what could be against you? Mary also trusted the holiness of God. In her song, she said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy comes from this word hagios. In the Greek, hagios, it's this word meaning other or separate. I think God has, has called this church holy, not because of anything we have done, but because of his blessing. He, is, he has separated us. Holy is means other, it means separate. Not because we're perfect or blameless. We've made mistakes 
and we will continue to make mistakes moving forward. But aren't we thankful for a God who's perfect? Thankful for a God who's holy, who's blameless. He's without stain. He can do no wrong. He's without fault. Holiness is not just one of his attributes. It's the perfection of all of his attributes together. His power is holy. His love is holy. His peace is holy. His faithfulness is holy. Everything about him is holy. And he is a God who knows what he's doing. He is a God who's pretty good at what he does. Not God. He should keep doing what he's doing because he's pretty good at it. And he's, he's reassuring us, even in the middle of this transition, that he's got us in his hands, and he's faithful, and he's good, and he's holy. Mary's response led to the outcome that God desired. The privilege, the blessing of carrying the word to the world. What a privilege we have to carry his world, his word to the world. God is choosing you and God is choosing me to carry the perfect word to a broken world. Every day we step into dark places, but we have the bright light of Jesus inside of us. And we have the opportunity to not be the light. Jesus is the light. We have an opportunity to be a light to others and shine his light brightly in this dark place. God has chosen you. You are not disqualified because of what you've done or haven't done. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And just because your, your life may have been turned upside down, it doesn't mean you've lost favor. In fact, it might mean that you have favor. Because God is preparing you. He's turning up the soil and he's preparing you to be his conduit of grace to, to take his message to a broken world. Will we allow our preferences to be exchanged for his purposes? May our preferences be exchanged for his purposes. Things won't always go our way. We won't always have things go according to plan or according to our opinions and our preferences. But may we respond like Mary and say, I am the Lord's servant. Though this may not be my preference, God, I'm trusting you with my future. I'm trusting you the future of this church. May your purposes be fulfilled. This past week, I had an opportunity to talk on the phone with a new friend. His name is Robert, and I could tell over the phone that he was broken, and he was crying, full-grown man, just crying, weeping over the phone, and I just want to give him a hug, but he said he had fallen into some health complications, and I'm not going to be able to work for a period of time, and I've already been pinching pennies, and so, you know, I just need some help. And so I was able to tell him, thanks to your generosity, that we can help pay for his rent and any of his expenses while he's in the hospital. As you know, uh, at the end of every month, we accept a community fund. And it's an opportunity for us. It's a way of just kind of separating it. It's a special fund, really a focused offering where we 
just fix our eyes on those who are oppressed, those who are under-resourced, those who are lost and hurting. It's our way of being the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Our way of being a, a conduit of grace. A carrier of his word to the world. So at this time, consider how you can give uh, generously, how you can be a part of blessing Robert's life and many others' lives. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that, that you have control over our lives. Yes, you do. And you are good. You are faithful. And God, you are holy. In the midst of the wheres and the whens and the hows and the whys, God, may we remember who you are. Just as Mary trusted in your character and who you are despite her circumstances, God, may we do the same. Because on the other side of our barrier is a blessing. On the other side of our mess is a miracle. And where there is no way, God, you make a way. Where we say impossible, God, you say possible. You can turn the ordinary into extraordinary, God. And I just pray that you would do above and beyond what we'd ever possibly ask for or imagine or dream of, not only in our lives, but in our life as a church community. Thank you, God, for who you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name.